Welcome back to the Joseph Tyler Sports Show. I am your host, Joseph Tyler, and the Pro Bowl has officially become the worst part of the NFL. We'll also be going into our Super Bowl preview. I'm going to tell you all about who I got winning, who I think is going to be an impactful player, just my thoughts generally about the teams, the players themselves, and pretty much just going into the week what my predictions are. Lastly, as a special treat, I have my top 10 quarterbacks. Since no real games were played this week, there's nothing really to reflect on. I'm going to do my top 10 quarterbacks of 2021, and this list is basically just how I felt every player played during the 2021 regular season. So this list does not indicate who I want being my quarterback next year, and it also somewhat takes postseason into account, but I try not to, considering that a lot of quarterbacks and teams and things of that nature don't get playoff games. They don't get to update their resume, and there is a couple quarterbacks who may have been eliminated early in the playoffs, and so... It's just my way of keeping it fair, I guess. And so to start, let's talk about the Pro Bowl. Now, I understand why we have, you know, the Pro Bowl game. It's supposed to be, you know, the big game. But just like NBA All-Star Weekend, the game doesn't matter anymore. And more importantly, the game has lost all sense of it being fun. The game this weekend of the Pro Bowl between the NFC and the AFC was made two-hand touch. Now, I I watch the Pro Bowl events, but I'll be the first to admit I do not always watch the Pro Bowl games. So I don't know myself if two-hand touch is the norm. As far as I'm concerned, one of the highlights I think I remember seeing was Sean Taylor blowing someone up back in the day in the Pro Bowl. Now, I don't know when two-hand touch began, but what's the point of wearing pads if you're playing two-hand touch? I think if you're wearing pads and helmets and everything, like you should be playing tackle football. And if not, why not just make it flag football? So everyone can run, have fun, laugh. You can have people mic'd up. I don't I don't understand why we're playing two-hand touch. And more importantly, I, I have another thing to add to this. And that's much like the All-Star Weekend in the NBA, the events are more popular and more fun to watch than the actual game. I would argue if you got rid of the Pro Bowl game, you would still be just fine in viewership and everything with the events. I'm talking about dodgeball, everyone's favorite game. Dodgeball with the AFC and NFC. I'm talking about the quarterback challenge. I'm talking about the best catch challenge. Just all the above. And I think more offensive linemen need a event I think all sorts of things but these events are fun 
And it's because you get to see the players in a brand new light. All the best players in the league. You get to see them having fun. You get to see them interacting with one another when otherwise you may not have. And you get to see just some cool events. Dodgeball is a cool one. Always has been. Always says highlights. People call back to it. And the quarterback's challenge. Who can forget? People love it. And it reminds me of the NBA. You have the three-point contest. You have the slam dunk contest. And then you have the all-star game. Similarly, the all-star game has not been entertaining in well over five, six years. It's just a contest of just a high-scoring game. No one's really trying to play defense. It's just for fun and not really entertaining. The Celebrity All-Star Game, on the other hand, is more entertaining. It has a gimmick about it. The three-point challenge, more entertaining, has a gimmick. Slam dunk contest is the most entertaining aspect of basketball. Well, All-Star Weekend. And football, same thing. I understand why we need to have the All-Star, the NFL Pro Bowl, sorry. I get it. But if we're playing two-hand touch, what's the point? I think that I understand people don't want to get hurt. They're not on their team, but it's not really in the spirit of the game, is it, if you don't actually play football? I think that people underestimate the fact that these players are supremely talented. And there are instances where players do take it seriously, but... When push comes to shove, a lot of times it's nothing. I believe there needs to be some sort of stakes attached to the Pro Bowl, some sort of anything to make it more entertaining. And if it was my choice, I understand why the Pro Bowl's there. I'll say that one more time. But if it was my choice, I would eliminate the game altogether. Just eliminate the game and just add more events. Why not give something to the offensive linemen? The bench press, give them one where they lift walls, break through walls, or pull a sled full of stuff. I don't know. Something to show their strength. Um, Coaches quarterbacks a communication game maybe like a game of telephone see if they can figure that out it i don't know i'm not the guy who comes up with the games but i think that would be more entertaining to watch than the actual pro bowl and other than that there's not much else to add to it except for stefan diggs mossing his brother (laughs) during the game that was a cool moment but other than that not really not really anything and With that, we're just going to shuffle the Pro Bowl away real quick. And we're going to just move straight to the meat and potatoes of just the entire weekend. What everyone was looking forward to, because it's the Pro Bowl, you know it's time, everyone gets a week off, and then we can move to the Super Bowl. The Los Angeles Rams versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And even up into the playoffs... 
all the way up to the AFC NFC championship games, I could have never expected that these two teams would be the ones meeting in the Super Bowl. The Cincinnati Bengals are for sure the team I did not expect. They are the underground dark horse team. They are not only the dark horse team, they are the Cinderella story. They are have been adopted as America's favorite team for the Super Bowl. Everyone has the memes, the nicknames of Joe Burrow. Everyone loves Jamar Chase. Even Evan McPherson, their kicker. I've seen more personality out of this guy and more love for this kicker than just about anybody. The only other kickers that are as loved as Evan McPherson is Adam Vinatieri and Justin Tucker. And this kid's still a rookie. And it's absolutely insane. And I... I love the Bengals right now. I think they're a cool bunch of people. I think they are fantastic. And I think a lot of people are riding on them to hopefully win this one. And on the other side, we got the Rams. You got the Matthew Stafford trade. You know, he has come to L.A. with the intention of winning a Super Bowl. And he's giving the city that right now. And that's a good story. That's a feel-good. Everyone was always rooting for Matthew Stafford in Detroit and it never really felt like he got his fair shake I mean he had Megatron but when Megatron was gone they never got him anything else Megatron was there and the rest of the team was bad but they were enough to lift them up sometimes and win some games but that was about it and Another thing, going to the Rams, people were unsure. They didn't know if Matthew Stafford was going to be that guy. <clears throat> Definitely an upgrade from Jared Goff, everyone knew that, but no one thought they were going to make it this far. And it's pretty cool. This Super Bowl is pretty cool because it's the first time in a long time I can sit here and say I am okay with either team winning. I think this might be the first time ever I'm thinking that. I'm cool with any team winning. Everyone is good in my book. And now time for what I think is going to set these teams apart. And first things first, before I give my official prediction and my score line... I'm going to tell you why I think each team may win, may not win. So I'm going to start with the Bengals. The reason why the Bengals can win this game is they are the hottest team in the NFL right now. They got beat up by the Titans. They got beat up by the Chiefs. And they somehow figured out how to persevere and win those games, which is huge. It's Monumental. You don't get sacked a playoff record amount of times and come out on the other side with a victory. A sack is usually enough to end a drive. A sack can result in a fumble. A sack can kill your momentum, and the Cincinnati Bengals would claw back and fight back against the Titans and win. I was severely wrong. I thought Derrick Henry was going to win it, but... 
they were able to claw back. The defense was able to clamp down and stop him. And Joe Burrow was able to lead the offense and get some points on the board. Secondly, I thought they were going to lose to the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs were just going to come out, steamroll the Bengals, outscore them, which was the case in the first half. It looked like exactly that. Yet the Bengals never gave up. They kept playing their brand of football. They kept grinding it out, and eventually they just came back. They beat the Chiefs. The defense again showed up, and they locked it down. They stopped the most, to some, the most prolific passer in the league right now. The most high-powered passing attack. And they figured it out. They did it. And now we come to the Super Bowl where a lot of people think the Bengals are the underdogs again. They think that the Rams are going to come in, probably blow them out. Who knows? But even if that's the case, even if they get blown out in the first half, we've seen the Bengals come back from two different types of games. One where they were getting blown out by the Chiefs and one where they grinded a game out against the Titans, where they were getting beaten and battered. And this shows me that even though this team likes to have fun, this team is very close-knit, very tight with one another, this tells me that this team is tough. They have a culture behind them. They're building something there in Cincinnati. And I think the Titans have... Not the Titans, I apologize. The Bengals have a good chance of actually coming out at the beginning of this game hot. They can come out of the gates and score with just about anybody. Joe Burrow and Jamar's chase chemistry is fantastic. It's just completely oozing in just just connection. And they are a dynamic duo, but this dynamic duo isn't it. You have Joe Mixon who has always been heralded as a guy who can be a top back in the league. And he's put together a few campaigns now across his career where he has been a top running back in the league. He's always been consistent, and he's a great piece for this offense. And then you got T. Higgins. When Jamar Chase is being doubled, when he's being covered, T. Higgins is usually that second option. He's usually that guy who Joe Burrow turns to, and he'll just... He'll just fling it to him. <clears throat> it doesn't matter. He'll get somebody the ball if he is in that position to do so. And that defense, you know, there's not a lot of people on that defense I can think of right now who is who has the star power of a Von Miller, the star power of an Aaron Donald. But they work together. They are a team and they lock it down when they need to. And I think that's very important. You need to know when it's time to just lock down and play, when you can turn into that next gear and just turn it up and go for it. And the Bengals can do that. They've shown us twice on the big stage in the playoffs. They have already made it to the dance with their new franchise quarterback and franchise team in his second year. This is almost unheard of. And they're young. They're hungry. They have a chip on their shoulder. And I think the Bengals, 
have a good shot at this. However, their weaknesses, it's the fact that they are so young. That's a huge weakness. Joe Burrow is in his second season of the NFL. His first season was cut short because of injury. I think that this team may be too young on offense to win the big one. I think they may lack the experience. I think they may lack the overall depth of the significance of where they are today. I don't think it really processes to a lot of them because if they're this young and making the Super Bowl, it may seem easy to make the Super Bowl. It may seem like they can do this again if they need to, but for a lot of people, this is your one and only chance. This is it. And I think right now, this team is a puppy with big paws that they haven't grown into yet. They're still growing. They're still getting better. And I don't know if necessarily they are good enough to come over the hedge and win the Super Bowl. And I know, I know, I said they were going to lose against the Titans. I said they were going to lose against the Chiefs. And I meant it. And that's what gives me reservations. The games where they should be counted out, the games where they shouldn't win, they do. And so it's tough because... There's some weeks where the Bengals are fantastic, where they seem like they are just world beaters. And then there's just some weeks where the Bengals don't look like themselves. There's been games this season where the Bengals have just gotten beaten up by other teams. Like, for example, when the Bengals got beat by the Jets on Halloween Day, that was ridiculous. There's no reason why Mike White should have been able to beat the Bengals. But it is Mike White, so I can give him a pass on that. And other than that, every other game they've lost were close ones. And sometimes you just see those young, inexperienced guys making those young, inexperienced mistakes. And that can come back to bite you. And like I said before, they don't have a lot of superstars on the defense. They don't have those name value guys. And those name brand guys are superstars and are talented and they are all that and more because of the fact that they are capable of making plays or they have made plays in the past. That's the difference between them. And the thing about it is when we look at the Rams now, The reasons why the Rams will win. They have more reasons why they should win versus why they shouldn't. First and foremost, it's a home game. This game is taking place in the beautiful SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California. And the Rams are the second team to do this. You have the Buccaneers who did it last year, and now you have the Rams this year. And it is a huge advantage to have. Even though there will be a lot of Bengal fans there, it will be predominantly a Rams-filled stadium. The Rams 
have everyone in their corner. They will have the crowd will be loud when Joe Burrow's out there. They'll be quiet when Stafford's out there. So that's the first thing you have going for you. Number two, you have a veteran quarterback who may be as talented as Joe Burrow. Their talent-wise is a wash, but he has been in a lot of big games. He's lost a lot of games. He knows what mistakes to and to not make. He has the proliferary, just prominent, the prodigy. I can't think of any more P words to describe how amazing Sean McVay is. He's a superstar. Not only is he a coach, but he's a celebrity now. Sean McVay is a fantastic coach. He is the next generation's great coach. And he's still only about 36 years old, I believe. And it's insane to me that they have so many names on this team as well. So many superstars. And it's almost like the Rams went out and made a lot of aggressive moves so that way they can build their Madden franchise in real life. They went and got Matthew Stafford. They went and got Odell Beckham Jr. They went and got Von Miller. They've gotten Jalen Ramsey. And that's not even their best players on this team. The best players on this team are homegrown talents. The offense's best weapon, Cooper Cup. Defense's best weapon, Aaron Donald. Not to mention they have a good running back scheme, a 1-2 attack. Well, 1-2-3 attack if you include Daryl Henderson. You got Cam Akers and Sony Michelle. And <clears throat> Robert Woods is hurt. He's very talented. But going into this game, going into the Super Bowl, the biggest game of the year, their superstars, each one of them will make at least one play that will shift the dynamic of the game. A lot of them might make two plays. Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup. But it's the fact that you can rely on guys like Odell Beckham Jr., for example, to make that one crucial play a game. You're sure of it. Whereas someone like a T. Higgins, you might not have that respect for him. You might not expect him to make that one play a game because he doesn't have that name value you don't see anyone on the defense and say watch out for that guy he will make a crucial play every game he will break up that pass he will fumble make someone fumble he will get a sack and that is a huge factor for the rams another one <clears throat> another factor they have is they just have a lot of people on that team not only superstars but they have a lot of just role players they're a deep team when i talk about running backs <clears throat> for example we have joe mixon on the Bengals. he is overall the best running back in this game however like i said before the rams have cam Akers, sony michelle and daryl henderson if he's active and the Bengals have Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan, who is an okay back. Nothing special, but okay. And if you look at it, there's a lot of things that are a wash on this, but there's a lot of things that 
tip the balance in the Rams' favor if you're looking at it subjectively. And I can see that. However, things working against the Rams, they are primarily a team made up of people who could not get the job done. Matthew Stafford has never gotten the job done. Aaron Donald never got the job done. Odell Beckham Jr. never got the job done. These are people who have been close, and the only one who has gotten a taste of a Super Bowl is Von Miller. And because of that, it's tough to gauge whether or not these people will be able to break through that glass barrier, break through and be able to come out hot. I don't know if they are going to be as dynamic as the Bengals coming out. So I think their best bet would be to weather the storm early and come back and kick some butt later on. Their kicker, Matt Gay, missed a 47-yard field goal, and he was short. And it's hard to be short on a 47-yard field goal. So that just tells me that he's a very good kicker, but he is no Evan McPherson. So if this comes down to a game of kicks and points like that, the Rams aren't going to win this one. I think their goal, they need to not fall victim to analytical football. They need to play real football, kick their points when they can, and just keep grinding up the score. That will be the way they beat the Bengals. And for my ultimate prediction, I have the Los Angeles Rams winning the Super Bowl 31 24 31 to 24 winning by a touchdown I think it's going to be a shootout I think it's going to be a game of big plays and I think the Rams have more playmakers more superstars than the Bengals and I think ultimately those guys are going to be what puts this team over the edge this team like I said before looks like a Madden roster it looks like a roster that I would have put together as a little kid and I think the Rams sold all of their draft picks away, sold their souls to win this one, and I think they will. I think they will win this game, win the Super Bowl, and possibly go again next year. They are a fantastic team with a fantastic coach, and they've gone all in, and it will be worth it. A lot of teams build to try and make a dynasty, but when you try to build and make a dynasty, sometimes you just never make it to the top. And the only way you make it to the top in this league is to be aggressive. Make aggressive acquisitions of old, hungry veterans who want to make it to the big time. And those veterans will lead the way. They will lead the charge and take you to the promised land. And I think that the Rams have been aggressive enough. They have acquired enough talent. And I think they will win this game 31 to 24 Rams and it will be a beautiful parade a beautiful celebration in Los Angeles but I want to say that due to the fact I have been wrong about the Bengals all postseason and all season regardless I want to say that I will not be surprised if the Bengals can win this game I will not be surprised 
and I won't be a hater either. I can appreciate a team who can prove me wrong, and I can appreciate a winner. And I will appreciate the Bengals if they come into enemy territory and win the Super Bowl. And if they do that, and Joe Burrow is the one who leads the charge and dominates, I might even consider Joe Burrow being a top five quarterback in the league. And I have a lot of respect for him, and I can't wait for this game this weekend. It really is a toss-up. I could see it being 31-24 Bengals. But if I had to put my money down, if I personally had to bet, I would go for the Rams. And so, with that being said, with the Super Bowl preview, I suppose, being done with Matthew Stafford, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Aaron Donald, T. Higgins, just Jamar Chase, just everyone pushed to the side for now. I want to talk to you all about my top 10 NFL quarterbacks of 2021. Basically, this season alone, who did I have as my top 10 quarterbacks who I would want on my team leading my team? So this list is just contained to just this year. So there's going to be a lot of controversy. There's going to be a lot of people who don't agree. But as a football fan, I believe my opinion is the only opinion that matters. And you are as well. So make sure to let me know what you think of the list. I will be posting the picture of my list on Twitter at J Tyler Sports Show. And let me know what you think. Let me know what you agree with. Let me know what you don't agree with. And before we get started with the list, I, the top 10 quarterbacks, I want to give a couple honorable mentions of people who did not make the top 10 of my list. And other than the top four quarterbacks, number five through like 13 or 14, you can really argue the placement of the people. You can really move everyone around and the list would be okay, but you're always going to hurt somebody's feelings. So the honorable mentions I want to first go with is number one, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, if he was on this list, would be number 11, 12, or 13, but he is a severely underappreciated and underrespected quarterback. Now, I personally think that Kirk Cousins gets too much flack in this league. I think he gets too much hate, and he is better than what people give him credit for. I think Kirk Cousins is a gunslinger. He gets a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, and he always exceeds expectations. That is why the Vikings have never traded him. He has helped make Justin Jefferson into a star. He has helped make Adam Thielen into a star. Stefan Diggs, he's helped develop into a star. And he has been in this franchise for a long time. So we'll have to wait and see if he sticks around for the long haul. But he is one of the honorable mentions. Another honorable mention is Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is not in the top 10. He is a sensational talent. However... He is in one of the best situations in football. 
Kyler Murray has DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green, John Brown. Wait, is John Brown on that team? I don't remember. <laughs> Rondell Moore. John Brown used to be a Cardinal. Rondell Moore. Sorry about that. Christian Kirk. Yeah, John Brown is not on the team. I apologize. Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore. Zach Ertz. I could go on and on, but he has a great offense. But one thing I notice every time I watch a Cardinals game is one of his passes always gets deflected out of the air. And it's because of his height. And he relies on the fact that he can't really see over the O-line, so he relies on his connection and his great receivers to get him through. And I honestly don't think Kyler Murray is all that. There was MVP talks earlier in the season for him, but I think it was more the team around him rather than Kyler Murray himself. Now, I know I'm going to catch a lot of heat for that, but I just don't believe in him. He's, of course, you know, being a top 11, 12, 13 quarterback in the league means you're number 11, 12, or 13 in the entire world. But I don't know. I don't know if he is that guy. And I don't know. He's good, but he doesn't crack the top 10 for me. And last but not least, we had Kirk Cousins. We had Kyler Murray. My last honorable mention is Russell Wilson. He's been hurt all year, but when he has played, he hasn't looked like that Russell Wilson I know and love. He doesn't know. He doesn't look like he really cares. He doesn't want to be on the Seahawks anymore. I think Russell Wilson needs a breath of fresh air somewhere else. And he's not really trying. He's not really trying right now. And if it was based on a career piece, I would take Russell Wilson easy in the top 10. However, if we're going based on this year alone, I can't take Russell Wilson. I can't. And so that leads me to my official top 10 quarterbacks list of 2021. And number 10, I have Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson may very well be the most athletically gifted player in the NFL. He is supremely talented with his legs, and he is a former MVP. However, he has a average arm, maybe above average arm even. And the reason why I'm going to say Lamar Jackson isn't that guy is, first and foremost, he he and his team are all slaves to the analytics. They lost this year a lot of times because of analytics. Lamar Jackson does a lot of scrambling and rushing when he doesn't need to, when he can just pass the ball regardless. I, I, I don't know if he can carry a team all the way to the Super Bowl. I think once his legs get swallowed up, then his arm isn't enough to carry you through the playoffs and to the Super Bowl. That's why I have him at my number 10 position. Number 9 is Derek Carr. And I will be the first one to admit, hear me out before you shut the mind off. 
because obviously on paper Lamar Jackson is better than Derek Carr but what I will say this year Derek Carr has proved to me that he is not only a good player but he is a great person Lamar Miller is more talented than Derek Carr but Derek Carr with everything that has gone on around him this season has been able to keep his team together and get them all the way he pushed this team on his back through the ball through injuries through covid through controversy and he has been able to bring the raiders success and that is why just sheer will alone Derek carr is my number nine on this list he is fantastic and that is a leader you need in your locker room and that is a leader that i personally would like my team to have number eight is someone who's sort of the opposite he also is a leader however he underperforms the expectations that people put on him and that's dak prescott dak prescott is my eighth best quarterback in the league because he's never really won any important game dak prescott is supremely talented but he has been paid a large sum of money and he just hasn't shown me anything he has the best one of the best receiving cores in the league and he gets a lot of yards but he just can't get over that hump he can't break through the glass ceiling and sometimes when he plays he looks rather pedestrian he looks pretty average but he is like i said before very talented and with the situation around him i just expect more out of dak prescott i expected him to beat jimmy g and the 49ers and usually when the game plan gets swallowed up which it rarely does he doesn't have the will to push them through he doesn't will them past that and break through that's why he's only number eight if Dak Prescott can break through the ceiling he could easily be a top five quarterback but that's all that's holding him back and number seven we have someone we were just talking about we have Joe Burrow my number seven best quarterback in the league and my number one bangle of all time but I don't want to go on about that just yet we'll wait till next week if they win the Super Bowl but Joe Burrow number one pick supremely talented was highly ranked in a lot of different categories in the league this season and I'm trying not to put a lot of weight on postseason success but these games this postseason I cannot ignore his sheer will and determination is helping push the Bengals to the Super Bowl and Joe Burrow is the main reason why his arm is fantastic but I will say his decision making is sometimes questionable he is amazing and I can't wait to see where his career goes from here he is part of that new generation of quarterback that is taking the league by storm the new age is bright and I'm looking forward to football and here's the next person this guy is my pick for the new generation of quarterbacks that 
I think it's just that guy we'll be talking about for a long time. He did not make the playoffs, so it's hard for me to rank him considering the fact he doesn't have an opportunity to make or break himself at this point, and that is Justin Herbert. Now, I will say, after these postseason games, I'm willing to switch Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, but nobody else. Justin Herbert, the Chargers quarterback, is picking up the mantle that Phillip Rivers has left. And he has done it fantastically. He has created a culture with the Chargers. And he's got a personality. Just like Joe Burrow, he has a swagger about him. He's great. He's a gunslinger. He makes Keenan Allen and Mike Williams look good. And from sheer will alone, I've seen him put the Chargers on his back throughout the season and win games under his own power. That is something that you will commonly see as we go higher up the list. They can put the game on their back and win on their own. And Justin Herbert, I've seen him do it numerous times. And for the most part, I will say it's his situation. It's his coaching, just like Lamar Jackson, that is preventing him from breaking out and being higher on the list. His coaching has stunted his growth due to analytics and forcing them to be in bad positions with the ball and with that being said we go from number six to number five on the list and the top five was a little confusing for me a little hard to place people but just hear me out number five uh, Matthew Stafford he has always been good a lot of people have always thought Matthew Stafford could have been more when he was on the Lions a lot of people always felt like he was never getting a fair shake in the NFL Matthew Stafford on the Rams is a whole new man a whole new beast and he has been mostly dominant this season in the NFL there were a couple games where you make a couple former mistakes that he would have normally made on the Lions but There is something that I believe he hasn't had to deal with for most of his career, and that was accountability. He was always the lone bright spot on a bad team, so whenever he made mistakes, he was never punished for it. So Matthew Stafford has a lot of bad habits that needed to be ironed out when he came to the Rams. So when he was making these mistakes, when he was throwing these pick sixes earlier in the season, I saw them not as mistakes I saw them as growing pains for this team I saw this as a guy who was throwing an interception making a mistake and his coach Sean McVay coming over to him and helping him correct that helping him figure out what he did wrong what he saw wrong and it's helping his IQ and his awareness grow as he is ironing out those bad mistakes and becoming a more complete and more fuller version of himself that we always knew that Matthew Stafford could be. Everyone has always been a fan of Stafford, so I'm not surprised that he is number five on my list. Number four is Patrick Mahomes. Now, I am a very critical person of Patrick Mahomes. I believe he is a very talented quarterback, but I also believe that Patrick Mahomes is an overrated quarterback. A lot of people were throwing a lot... A lot of GOAT conversations, future GOAT, little GOAT, whatever you want to call him. And I don't believe that's the case. 
And let me tell you why. Patrick Mahomes is a very irresponsible quarterback with the ball, but it is covered by the fact that he has such a golden arm. He has thrown 14 interceptions, I believe, this season, and he had a whole lot more that were dropped or swatted out of the air that should have been intercepted. Patrick Mahomes is a guy you see on the sideline, and after he makes a huge mistake, he doesn't look fired up. He looks like he lacks intensity, and it feels to me that Patrick Mahomes doesn't really care all that much. If Patrick Mahomes was to coast the rest of his career and retire, he would be a Hall of Famer. Patrick Mahomes is already a made man. He is a Hall of Famer. He is a man with a $500 million contract. He is a man with a city behind him. He has sponsorships. He has connections. And he's still very young in his career. I just don't think Patrick Mahomes really cares anymore because he doesn't have that edge anymore. He doesn't have that need or desire to even be better. So I don't think he will ever be the number one quarterback in the league again because he doesn't have that chip on his shoulder. That is why Patrick Mahomes is my number four, but that does not take away from the fact that he is fantastic. Nobody can throw the ball with such velocity at such weird angles like he does. Nobody will do circle, just circus passes that he does. Nobody will run a drive in two seconds like he does with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. He has the best passing attack in the league, and I can respect that. But he's only the fourth best quarterback in the league. Number three is Josh Allen. And it's kind of funny that these two are put together on this list because we could talk about the overtime rules, but I won't. Josh Allen makes the players around him better. He is supremely athletic with his rushing ability, his passing ability. He is sensational. I see him passing to people I didn't even know were still in the league, like Emmanuel Sanders earlier in the season. He made Gabriel Davis a star overnight in the playoffs. He has Stephon Diggs he hits the ball to. Dawson Knox is his favorite target. Josh Allen will run you over if he feels like it. He'll hurdle you if he feels like it. And Josh Allen is one of those guys who still has that chip on his shoulder. That's why I'm giving him the edge on Patrick Mahomes right here. I think they're three and four. You can flip them how you want, but he has that chip on his shoulder. He still has that desire, that hunger, and that's why I have him at number three. And number two, this is tough. I said that number two and number one were <clears throat> in my race to be MVP since week eight. I said week eight that these two players, one of them would be MVP by the end of the year. And so let me start with whoever number two is on the list. Number two is Aaron Rodgers. I know everyone has opinions on Aaron Rodgers, either controversial or what have you, but nobody will deny his talent on the field. He is one of the best throwers of the football we have ever seen. He has one of the highest IQs of football we have ever seen and no one can take that from him he played at an elite level this season 
a MVP caliber level, and he has won games at the end. He has dominated games. The only mark on his resume right now is his playoff runs, where he just can't seem to get the job done, but it's he is a paradox, because you wouldn't want him in the playoffs, but you want him every week in the regular season. <clears throat> so I don't know what we do with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if we play him for the regular season, and then we put in a backup quarterback for the rest of it. I don't know if just what he is or why he's here. He has a swagger about him. He has the chip on his shoulder. He has the team around him. He is a fantastic quarterback. He can make he can make Randall Cobb look good. He can make Devontae Adams look amazing and great. I only have him at number two because I personally don't believe Aaron Rodgers is winning the MVP. I don't. And if you're not winning the MVP and you're not the best quarterback at your position, there's only one other player left I can give this to. There's only one man left that is in the running for MVP, and he's the man who just retired. I think my number one quarterback of 2021 was Tom Brady. He has never been the most athletically gifted, He's never had the strongest arm, the fastest legs, but he's always had the strongest mind for football. Tom Brady, this season, made sure to go out on a crescendo. Made sure to go out on top as the MVP of the NFL. And he did this by, first and foremost, not having a real powerful rushing attack. Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, they didn't get the job done. They did not play well at all but Tom Brady made up for that with his arm his 44 year old arm that nobody should expect to be able to carry a game and he carried the Buccaneers all the way to the playoffs and in the playoffs he almost put together his second greatest comeback of all time first being the Super Bowl 28 to 3 but he was 27 to 3 against the Rams he brought them all the way back and he was one pass from Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup away from going to overtime. And who knows if anybody on this planet could have stopped Tom Brady in overtime that game. He has played at an elite level. His mind has only grown sharper as his body has gone downwards ever so slightly at each season. He evolves his game. And no matter what, no matter how good, how bad, how awful your coaching is, no matter what, Tom Brady always gives you a chance to win. Tom Brady is magical, and he still showed and showcased his magic this season as the number one quarterback in the league. And that is why I believe he will be the MVP this season. That is why he threw for the fifth most passing yards ever in a season of football, why he threw the most touchdowns, and that's why Tom Brady is overall the number one quarterback in the league and the number one quarterback on my list in 2021. 
He has done everything he could in his power to take the Buccaneers back and repeat, and he always has the chip on his shoulder. He always has the desire. He always cares. He's always passionate. Tom Brady is the best quarterback in the NFL, and he retired on top. And that's all I got for you guys today. We had the Pro Bowl talk about how nobody should like the Pro Bowl game. (laughs) We had a good Super Bowl preview about both teams' strengths, weaknesses, about some players. And we had my top 10 NFL quarterbacks of 2021. Let me know on Twitter and Instagram if you agree with my picks. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at jtylersportshow. Again, that is at jtylersportshow. And please make sure to leave a like on Spotify. Rate us five out of five stars. And honestly, we are almost reaching a milestone for me. I have been recording this audio podcast for over a month now and I'm reaching a point where I am five people away from reaching 50 unique monthly listeners and I know it doesn't seem like a lot but it's huge for me and it is a huge milestone for the podcast because once we reach 50 unique listeners I would be able to run ads on the podcast I would be able to Maybe make a few pennies, maybe make a dollar. That It would be the first real milestone of this podcast. And I would really appreciate it if you're still listening at this point. If you could not only listen, but please share the podcast around. Let anyone else know you, who you might think enjoy the podcast in. It would be huge for me, and thank you. Thank you to everyone who has listened from the first episode to now or if this is your first time i appreciate you and another week of football has come and gone next week we have the super bowl we're going to be going over that in as much detail as i can afterthoughts win lose draw and next week we'll have another top 10 list i think top 10 running backs will be a good one controversial but a good one a lot of running backs got hurt a lot of running backs were good so who were my top 10 running backs of 2021 we'll see i'm pretty sure we all know who number one might have been maybe but anyways that's all i've got for you guys this week thank you so much again for listening and i will catch you on the flip side see ya